Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Your pastor's resting and relaxing. You know, and I encourage guys to do that because Jesus told his disciples, he said, it's good for you that I go away. And, um, you know, it's, it'll be good for your pastors. They're going to come back recharged, ready for the next season of church life. And as uh, Pastor Josh said, my name is Scott Bledsoe. My wife, Vanessa, there on the front row. We celebrated 30 years of marriage this past February. Four beautiful kids. Try it. I'll talk more about that later. And if you knew us in the early years, you would, you would have clapped a lot harder <laughs> because we didn't think we'd make it 30 years. Um, and we have four children and uh, my son married a, a, a girl out of our church that we love. We consider her our fifth child. And probably most importantly of all, we have one grandson who is at the absolute bomb. So we're, we're enjoying life. And I just want to tell you, I love the local church. I love being asked to do this. And um, I consider it a great honor. And I see Mr. Charlie and Miss Karen there. I want to just honor them, have known them and their lives for a long, long time. Come on, give it up for Mr. Charlie, Miss Karen, Josh's parents. So I want to, I want to, I want to share with you something that's that's been on my heart. I shared it in my own church, and as soon as Josh and I finalized the dates for this, I knew exactly what I wanted to speak to you about. I really believe the Lord has a word for you today. Um, I've been talking about since, um, since the beginning of the year at our church about it's time to dream again. I believe one of the things that COVID has done is it has uh, somehow the devil snuck in and maybe stolen our dreams. Um, and I, when I talk about your dreams, I mean those God-given dreams. I know, uh, I, I know I, I've dealt with various emotional highs and lows and you begin to wonder if anything's ever going to return to normal and if it does, what's it going to look like? And I, I'll tell you, in the last year and a half, the world has changed. Come on. The world, especially the United States, we have changed. But I, I, I heard the Lord say at the end of last year, Scott, it's time to dream again. And I just want to speak that over your life. It's time for you to begin to dream God's dream for your life. And you know, in, uh, in the Old Testament, there was a story of Joseph and Joseph had this God-given dream. And when he shared it with his brothers and his father, they really, they really came against him and said, you cannot be serious. You know, and they didn't, uh, they did not embrace his dream. In fact, they sold him into slavery. And you know what God did? I'm going to tell you what God does again. When you lose your dream, God's answer was not to change the dream was not to change the brothers, was not even to change Joseph, but God gave him the dream again. It's time to dream again. And so that dream that God, if he hasn't, he wants to place in your heart, or maybe he has placed in your heart, I want you to know that there are some, uh, there, there's some obstacles that you're going to have to confront along the way if that dream is going to come to pass. And I, I titled today's sermon, as we talk about these obstacles, I titled today's sermon, I got a visual for you. It's called The Elephant in the Room. And there's the elephant in the room. Come on. Corey told me he wanted to paint a big red A on that. And I said, Corey, 
Yeah, because he's an Alabama fan. I said, if you do that, I will stab that elephant right on the stage. I'm an LSU fan. Come on. So, but anyway, the elephant in the room, you've heard the saying, and I'm gonna, I want to set this up by telling you a story about my friend Greg. My friend Greg Jones, he and I, uh, we met when we were single. God was doing something in his life. God was doing something in my life. And so we became friends, and now we work together. He's, he's the campus pastor at our airline campus. And um, Greg and I, when we were knocking around, when we were single, you know, we were, we were, we were cool. Well, we thought we were cool. And, and we were young, and we were unmarried. And so we went out in Greg's mom's car, because that's what you do when you're in college. Because most college kids, their cars are not worth riding in. But, but his mom had this Mercury Capri. And so Greg was going to take us to the mall or something one night. And I jumped in. I drove to his house. I jumped in his car. And the first thing I noticed is there's an old school wooden clothespin. Come on. Who knows what an old school wooden clothespin? Not like, I mean, this is the one you, 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 they have the little metal spring and you push it and they open up. There was this old school metal clothespin that was taped to the shifter and the console. And not only that, there was a string tied to the clothespin that went down through the console into the transmission. His dad, Mr. Pete, God, God bless him, he has since gone to be with Jesus. But Mr. Pete was a real jack of all trades. And something had gone wrong with the car and he had rigged this up until he could get it fixed. But it worked. You push the clothespin and you move it into drive or reverse or park wherever you needed it to go and the thing worked. However, I have to tell you this. Mercury did not make the car like that. That's not how they bought the car. But it is called a workaround. And so many times what we do is because there's an elephant in our life. This big thing that is altering our life, that many times everybody else can see, and we learn how to cope with and coexist with and work around and kind of navigate life, just kind of dragging our elephant around, just going through life. You drag our elephant to work, comes into the family, elephant maybe plays a role in our finances, maybe it's in our health or whatever, and there's this elephant elephant in the room. And I just want to tell you today that pretending that an issue doesn't exist won't solve that problem. Come on, sound like a Presbyterian church in here. <laughs> pretending that, that there's not, you, you know, I, I, you all see it. And I could, I could preach like there's no pink elephant on the stage. This, this is not normal for one hope, is it? Okay, I'm just making sure Josh doesn't do this all the time. So, so pretending issues in our lives are not there, they won't make them go away. And I'm as guilty, look, I'm not throwing stones at people today because I've done this. In fact, Vanessa, my wife, I've told you about, we've been married 30 years, but if you would have asked us two years into our marriage, I don't even think she and I thought we would make it 30 years because it was that difficult. And we had an elephant in our marriage. Now, look, we know how to put on the mask and come to church. And hey, praise the Lord, how you doing? Oh yeah, good to see you too. <laughs> I mean, look, that's, that's like, that's, that's the first class of next steps. No, that's not true. <laughs> but, 
But you know, we, we get good at, at putting on the mask and then we go home and that's where many times the real stuff, you, you know, this is, this is not the real world. I always like to tell our church, this is like the locker room and I'm just kind of the coach and we're about, in, a, in about an hour, we're about to go out, life is happening out there. In your home, at your job, with your kids and your relatives and your neighbors and that's where life's happening. And so I'm just here to encourage you uh, along the way. And so, you know, Vanessa and I, we... We just knew God needed to do something in our life. It was one of the things that pushed me into a routine life prayer. I think God uses the elephants in our life. And I'll talk about this a little later. How God uses the elephants in our life to nudge us closer to him and to grow us actually. You know what? God never wastes anything in your life. He won't waste a hurt or a pain or a problem. He's going to make sure he uses it for his glory and your growth. And that's exactly what God wants to do. And, and we found this out about God. God is faithful, but he's not always fast. Come on, my prayers never get answered as quickly as I'd like them to be answered. God's faithful. I can say that now because I've lived for him for a lot of years. And I will tell you, God is faithful. He is, however, not always fast. And so... Here we are, we have this elephant in the room and pretending that an issue doesn't exist won't solve the problems. In fact, our elephants never go away until we, we get enough nerve, until we decide, that's it, I've had enough of this thing in my life, in my marriage, in, in, in my health, in my finances, in my spiritual life. And I, God, I need you and, and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get rid of this thing. And you know how people love to put a, uh, they love to put these little things on their SUVs and on their minivans and it's the little stick figures of the families, mom, dad, however many kids, cats and dogs. Really, this is really what they should look like a lot of times. I think we got that picture. I heard we were going to have that picture. There we go. And, and it should include on the minivan and the elephant that's, that's, that's living with us in our house. And I want to use... I want to use to, to kind of teach this lesson, uh, a famous guy out of the scriptures, name was David, out of the Old Testament. Love King David. God loved King David. And I want you to know something. David had an elephant, at least one elephant in his life that I want to talk about this morning. Because people do, people in the Bible are the same as people today. And if you're sitting here saying, oh my goodness, you know, Scott, you're, you're kind of talking about something that's, that's kind of starting to you know, you're kind of touching my life, good. You know what that makes you? That makes you normal. That makes you normal, and God wants to do something in your life. David had this elephant in his life that if, if, if you're not careful, you'll miss it. Now, like most of you, in fact, like all of you, there are areas of your life where you are an absolute 10. Maybe it's at work. Maybe you have this hobby uh, maybe when it comes to health and fitness, you're an absolute 10. Uh, maybe when it, it comes to, you know, spiritual things, you're an absolute 10. David was like that. David was a 10 when he was on the battlefield. It started with Goliath. Actually, it started earlier than that when he was watching sheep with a, a lion and a bear and then Goliath. And it seemed like his whole life when David had a sword strapped on his body and he was in battle 
when he would go out and fight against the enemy, God gifted him to do that. And he almost always won. Almost always won. He was a 10. But I tell you what, when David went back home, that's where the challenges started. That's where his elephant was. And what I want to tell you is this, you're gifted in some area. You're gifted, you're great in some things, but oftentimes what we do is we throw ourselves into the area of our giftedness and we just kind of act like the elephant's not there. David, because he was the king, um, it was a political arrangement, but he married many different women. Now, some of you would say, yeah, Scott, what about that? You know, I thought he was a Christian. He's got multiple wives. Let me just tell you this. Not everything that God allowed did he endorse. In fact, God has probably allowing some things in all of our lives. He would rather not be in our life. He's allowing some things, but that doesn't mean he's endorsing them. God uses flawed people. Come on, can I get an amen? God uses people who are a work in progress. I mean, I'm not standing up here saying I'm perfect. I'm standing up here saying God called me and I'm working through my elephants and, 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 and I'm working through that. So here we are. David has got these wives and one of the sons that he had, his name was Amnon by one wife. He actually, he had this crush on the daughter by another wife. Her name was Tamar. And you can read about this in the Bible uh, this, this will never be a Hallmark movie. This is too racy for Hallmark. But Amnon with his best friend cooked up this scheme where he pretended he was sick. And so David went to see him, said, Amnon, what can I do for you, man? How can I help? He said, can you send Tamar, my half-sister, can you send her to my house and have her cook my favorite meal? That would make me feel better, Dad. And of course, David wanting, you know, wanting to help, he sends Tamar over there. Well, when she got there and she cooked the meal, of course, Amnon had ulterior motives and he forced himself on Tamar and he, ra he raped her is what he did. He forced himself. She, she resisted. There was no one in the house. She was powerless. He was stronger than her. And, and then to make matters worse, after he had forced himself on Tamar, then, when he was finished, he's like, he just sent her back home. And she said, this is worse than what you've already done to me. Now you reject me. Now I'm, you know, I'm no longer a virgin anymore. And people are going to talk. And, and now I'm, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm broken and I'm less than. But you know what? He didn't care. And this is what the scripture says in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 21. It says, King David heard the whole story. He found out all about what was happening. And he was enraged. Come on. And every dad in here said, and he should have been mad. He should have been mad. He should have been more than mad. He was the king. And there were some things he should have done. It says, but he didn't discipline Amnon. When we don't do the things that we're supposed to do, this is how elephants are born in our life. David doted on him because he was the firstborn. And typically, in, in, in their tradition, the firstborn was going to be the next king. David doted on him. 
You know, you can, you, you can love your kids too much where you turn a blind eye to their actions. He doted on him because he was his firstborn. And, and Tamar had a brother named Absalom. Absalom quit speaking to Amnon, not a word. This was another half-brother. He was Tamar's sister. So Absalom and Tamar had the same mother. Amnon had a different mother. And Absalom quit speaking to Amnon, not a word, whether good or bad, because he hated him for violating his sister Tamar. And in just one moment where David's inaction causes the the family dynamics to be forever changed, and it became the elephant in the room. Again, when David was at war, when David was on the battlefield, David had the anointing of God on him, and David was a 10 when he was in battle. But his problems were at home. If you remember when he, when he uh, lusted after Bathsheba and had her husband murdered, where was he at? The Bible says he was back home when he should have been at war. And so even though David was great on the battlefield, he was not good at home. Some of you, you're great at home, but maybe in, in your work life, things are not good. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's, it's a part of your life. Maybe it's your health life or, or it's some different area of your life. You're good in one area, but you're not good in every area. And the truth is none of us are good in every area of our life. Our elephants never go away willingly. They go away when we make the decision to kick them out of our lives. And David knew he had an elephant in the family, but he just acted like he wasn't there. If you read the rest of the story of the life of David, so what happened? Because he allowed this elephant to live in his life, here's what happened. That one day, Absalom, Tamar's brother, he, he concocted a plan and he killed Amnon because the dad, David, never did anything about it. And he killed him. And then Absalom, because he was so bitter and, and had such hard feelings toward his dad, Many years later, he tried to steal the kingdom from King David. And if God had not intervened, he would have done it. So I want to encourage you, deal with your elephants. That's what I came to ask you to do. Ask God to give you the grace to do. I want you to deal with the elephants in our life today. I found if you deal with them today, it's the easiest they ever are to deal with. Don't adopt them. Don't just name it and adopt it. And carry it around. We're going on vacation. Woo! You know, and take, take your elephant to work and take your elephant with you. Bring your elephant into one hope. I tell you what, I believe today God wants us to deal with some of these elephants in our life. So I'm going to give you three things to deal with the elephant in your life. Here's the first one. Deal with the elephant inwardly. Let me tell you something. These things always begin because we deny something in our life that's really happening. We say things like this, I can handle it. It's not that bad. It's not my fault. Oh, it'll work out in the long run. It'll work itself out in the long run. We, we lie to ourselves. We, we deceive ourselves. And we say, you know what? Things will just somehow, you, you know, the family dynamics and 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 our failures and, and maybe even some mistakes and things that we don't deal with, if we just, if we just keep praying, that, that they'll just get better. But the truth is, a lot of times they don't. Before any elephant exists in a house or a church or a business, 
they exist in the heart of a person first. It's because we lie to ourselves. And we do that because we want to avoid problems and pain. And sometimes we want to avoid responsibility. Before David ever lied to people, he had to lie to himself first. And you know what? He said, I'm the king. It's going to get worked out. Amnon didn't really mean anything by it. Oh, Tamar, you know, we'll get her some great counseling. And, and, and she'll get through it. Pretending it never happened is not the right option. I tell you what, I've been a pastor now for 25 years. And what I have seen is people just sweep things under the rug and just, they don't want to talk about it. And they just act like it didn't happen. And that's not a great strategy because change doesn't occur when someone else knows what happens. But change occurs when we know and we allow God to begin to change us. In the book of Psalms 139, verse 23 and 24, the psalmist prayed this. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. Wow, you ever prayed a prayer like that? That's, I'm 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 not gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you. That's, that's a big prayer to pray. Why don't you try it out this week, whenever your devotional time is. God, is there, is there anything in my life that's offensive to you? In any relationships, any, any lifestyle issues, God, is any, anything, maybe the, the way I, 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 I transact and deal with my money, or the way I treat people, or the way I drive. <laughs> eee. Is there anything about my life that's offensive to you? You know, we have become a culture. This is what we do. We do just the opposite of this. We're pointing out what other people do that offends us. That's what, that's what our culture has devolved into. But he says, point out anything in me that offends you, God. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. You know what? When you pray a prayer like that, you are submitting your life to the lordship of Jesus Christ. You're bringing your life under and you're just saying, you know, it's not uncommon. You know, we have a lot of people that work for us at the household of faith and, and uh, you know, routinely we'll discuss things and they'll say, hey, Scott, is there anything you want me to change about what I'm doing? Anything you see I'm doing that, that you want me to change? You know, because we want to get better at our job. And, uh, I asked the team after the first service, I said, hey, was that okay? Anything I need to change? I mean, I want to get better. What if we went to the Lord and said, hey, God, is there anything about my attitude, my thinking, my emotions, anything about me that you want to change? Man, I think God would love that prayer, and I think we would see God move in our life in a new way. First thing is we have to deal with the elephant on the inside. Here's the second step we have to do. We have to deal with the elephant on the inside. On the outside, outwardly, we have to say to the family, to the team, to the business, hey, you know what? I need to confess something. I've got an issue. I've got a problem. That's why I'm so glad, and I believe why it's so important to preach this message, because today is summer small group, the kickoff. 
And I'm telling you, small groups is a great place to find someone that you can share the parts of your life that need to change. Now, I, oh, I wouldn't, you know, if, can you imagine if I would say, hey, Corey, bring me a microphone. We're going to go th- and we're going to give everybody a chance to talk about the elephant in their life. That would be one depressing service. <laughs> and I've, I've been to that service before. That's why we're not doing that. I've been to that service before. But how do we deal with them outwardly? So we start acknowledging it inwardly and now we have to deal with it outwardly. And most people, you know, you know what? It's very rare that you see today is someone stand at a podium and say, it's my fault, I did it. it, it, it it's, it's my issue. It shouldn't have gone that way. And uh, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take the responsibility for what happened. I mean, today what we see is, well, it's their fault. This, this happened and because this happened over here and it's not my fault. But you don't accuse others. You don't blame. You own it and you deal with it. We tell ourselves the truth first and then we are on the way to dealing with it. In James chapter five, verse 16, the scripture says, make this your common practice. Now James, James was the half brother of Jesus and he is pastoring the church. And he says, make this your common practice. So this is what the early church like, looked like. He said, confess your sins to each other. When's the last time you said, hey, man, let me, I just want to tell you where, I want to confess my sins to you. Man, it's quiet in this. But he said, this should be a common practice. And obviously, you don't just tell anybody. And you don't tell everybody. But you need to find somebody, a mature believer, that's not going to get freaked out about your elephant, the size of your elephant, and say, hey, man, I'm struggling in this area. Let me tell you how small groups go, because if you've never been in them, uh, always the first meeting feels a little awkward. It's a new group of people. But if you'll hang in there by the second or the third or the fourth meeting, God causes your hearts to get knit together, and you begin to gel. I had my small group yesterday morning. I'm with a group of guys I haven't been with before. But I tell you what, we had the best time. It might have been the fact that we were at Cracker Barrel and had good breakfast. But we had the best time and just talking about where we are with, with the Lord. And I'll tell you what, you know, the, the, Jesus said, he said, where two or three are gathered in my name, he said, I'm going to be there with you. And I believe this scripture is a small group scripture. Because if you read in the New Testament, the Bible said about the, the early church, they met in the temple, they did this thing, the big room, but then they met from house to house. They did the small group thing. That is, that is a part of God's design to grow you. You need this, where you sit in rows and and. Somebody that's called like me or like Pastor Josh, whoever he, he sees fit to bring in, teaches us. But then you need the room where it's in a circle and you can talk to one another. You need both of those to grow as a believer. Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Not gossip about each other, but pray for each other. And then I want, to, I want you to see what the payoff is. If you'll do that, God promised you this. He promises this. He says, 
if you'll pray so that you can live together whole and healed. There's great healing that comes whenever we talk about the elephants in the room. Not everybody grew up in a great family. Not everyone's had a great marriage. Not all of you had a great experience, maybe at a previous church. And you need a good safe place where you can talk about that. And and God says, when you do that, when you can confess those things. And you know, the word confess, it's really a very simple meaning. Confess, it kind of sounds like you committed a crime, but that's not really the, the meaning of the word. The word confess means to agree with God. It just means to agree with God. You know, I had this attitude and Man, I don't think God wants me to have that attitude. When you agree with God, God says, I I can help you then. You live together whole and healed. I'm telling you, this small groups has the power. We have seen people get set free from depression. We we have seen uh, marriages put back together. We have seen people set free from substances. And all kinds of freedoms take place when people just get in a small group. And began to have a safe place to open up. And be real and be authentic. And say, hey, you know what? A little stinky here. has been a part of my life. <sighs> Hate that thing. <laughs> and then here's the, here's the third thing. So we're going to acknowledge it inwardly. God, you show me. You, you might not know this, but it's not the pastor's job to point out everything that's wrong in your life. That's not why God sent me here. It's the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will convict us of what's going on on the inside. So he, he says, acknowledge it inwardly and then get a place where you can talk about it outwardly and, and, and tell other people. Because the truth is, you know what, in my family, whatever my elephants are, my kids, I've got four kids and a wife, and they, they know, they already know, because I carry my elephant around, whether it's anger or jealousy or depression or, or whatever in the world it is, they, they see it. And when I acknowledge it, they're like, great, man, at least he sees it. The worst thing in the world is when you act like... You know, there you are. What elephant? What are you talking about? No, man, I'm cool. What elephant? And a lot of times everybody else in the room or in your life can see it. The third thing is this. How do you get this thing out of your life? One bite at a time. You've heard the old saying, you eat the elephant one bite at a time. I can remember when I was a younger, much younger man, my dad loved to grow a garden. Come on, anybody, anybody grow up gardening in here? Like my dad did like, like a third of an acre, a half an acre. I mean, we, I'm talking a big garden. It's probably why I don't garden to this day. And there are some chicken houses. There used to be chicken houses in Livingston Parish. And they would clean out all the, the chicken poop every so often and pile it up and my dad would go and buy that stuff because when you spread it on your garden it fertilizes the ground and you make great tomato and zucchini and all that other stuff but he would dump the load near the garden and he'd say all right scott and this pile looked huge and it stunk and he'd say we got to spread this over the whole garden (laughs) 
And I'm like, oh, that, there goes my home. You know, there goes my life. I mean, my life is over. I am going to be knee deep in chicken poop for the next month. And so we, we get a wheelbarrow and a shovel and you think this is going to take forever. But the truth is, if you just start moving a little bit of it at a time and stick with it and, and, and do it day after day, really it didn't take all that long and, and the whole pile is spread all over the garden. And you're like, wow, that's over. And that's kind of the process of how God likes to work in our life. I believe God is the God of miracles. I want to tell you, when I got saved, when I got saved in 1985, I was a pot smoker and a drinker at LSU. And the, the, the night I gave my heart to Christ, God, God miraculously delivered me of smoking pot and I never drank another drop of alcohol from that night forward. But there were many things in my life that God did not change like that. Like my attitude. Like my character. Like my thinking. That's been a process. So I believe, I believe there's some things that God, when he touches you, some things may fall out of your life in a moment's time. But there are other things that God says, you know what, I'm going to do a work. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to make you stronger. Eat the elephant one bite at a time. In the book of Exodus chapter 23 and verse 30, when God is giving his people the promised land, you know, and we always know the promised land, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. That's good. That, that means it's good. It's a good place to live. But here's the deal, it was also full of enemies. And this is what the Lord told him. He said, I'm going to drive these enemies out, these elephants, I'm going to drive them out before you. And notice how he says it. Little by little. Little by little. He said, until you have increased. Here's why I tell you, I'm telling you, God is using the elephants in our life to strengthen you. Because every time you step up in faith and said, you know what? God, search my heart. And you acknowledge, you move that elephant a little bit out of your life. And then you go to small group. You say, hey guys, yeah, I want to talk about it. Yeah, man, I tell you what, I really sometimes I have a really bad attitude. Or I'm dealing with depression or anxiety. Or I'm dealing with fear. What's your issue online? What's the thing you're dealing with? But when you join a small group and you begin to acknowledge it, you, little by little, you move that thing a little further out of your life. He says, until you have increased and you are strong enough to take possession of the land. Because I'm telling you, every step you take to deal with the elephant in your life, you're getting stronger and the elephant's getting weaker. I'm going to talk about what happened to me when I was a teenager. I'm going to talk about, you know what? My wife and I, we're going to talk about what's going on in our marriage. Bible says, he says, you're going to increase. God's strengthening you. Every time you take a step of faith in the direction that God is leading you, you get stronger and your elephant gets weaker. One step at a time. One conversation at a time. One decision to forgive at a time. One step of faith at a time. This is how our growth happens. You know, my first job at our ministry was I cut the grass. 
And now, now I'm the pastor. Say, so how in the world did you make that transition? One step of faith at a time. Just one step of faith at a time. God's put a dream on the inside of you and you can realize the dream that God's put in you. Maybe it's to own a business. Maybe it's to to have a great family. Maybe it's to have a great marriage and you can live out the dream that God has for you and you know how you get there? One step of faith at a time. As you confront the elephant that's in your life and eventually, if you just, just another step of faith, a decision, I'm gonna forgive You know what? I'm going to learn about this. I'm going to deal with this. Next thing you know, mm, that elephant is right over there in the front row. Somebody else is probably. (laughs) Sorry about that, bro. I got, that was the the anointing. (laughs) One step at a time. Because I'm telling you, God did not call you to work around and deal with the elephants that have accumulated. You know what? And I know this. Some of them are what you've done, but some of them are what's been done to you. I've pastored a long time now. I've talked to a lot of people. Some of this stuff, it's not your fault, but it's your elephant. I want to just, can I pray for you? I want to ask God to give you the grace to begin to deal with your elephant. I remember, I remember in, um, my son was 12 years old and God began to deal with me about my, my health. I was much heavier and, uh, my son and I climbed a mountain. I thought I was going to die. And we really only climbed a thousand feet and at the top of that mountain, the Lord spoke to me and he said, Scott, you need to get in shape for the second half of your life. That was 14, 15 years ago. God spoke that to me. I came home, read a book. I've been in the gym four to five times a week for 15 years. Not with the goal to have some beach body, but to be healthy. I want to be healthy. Here's my goal. I want to die healthy. I don't want to die sick. That was was an elephant in my life that God dealt with in me. Maybe it's in the area of finances. Look, I don't know. Elephants come in all shapes and sizes. But I know this. They are in your life and God is going to use them because he never wastes the problem, never wastes the pain, never wastes an elephant to grow you and show you how much he loves you and how powerful he is. He is and wants to be in your life. Bow your head with me. Let me pray for you today. God, I I pray for my friends here at One Hope. I pray for my friends that have been watching online. And God, just like you spoke to me at the top of that small mountain in California, God, I pray that you would begin to speak to my friends about what you see in their life. God, I remember how you spoke to me. It was the most encouraging, faith-filled correction I had ever heard in my life. And even to this day, God, it motivates me. God, I'm praying for my friends, God. 
I'm praying, God, that you would use the words that I've spoken and the the verses that we've read to speak something life-changing into them. God, I pray that right now, courage and faith is rising up in people to begin to confront those things that they know that God would love to heal and change and remove out of their life. God, I'm asking you for grace. God, I didn't do any of this on my own, nor can we. But by your grace, nothing is impossible in Jesus' name. While your heads are still bowed and your eyes are closed, I know one of the next steps for some of you. And that is to give your life to Christ. How the world will say, you know, found religion. Some church people will call it getting saved. <clears throat> but the truth is, you know, we live in the South where this, the South is so religious. Let me tell you what I'm not talking about. I'm not asking you if you've been baptized when you were a baby. I'm not asking you if you were sprinkled. I'm not asking you what denomination you belong to. I'm not asking you if your name is on the membership roll at some church. Not that there's anything wrong with any of those. What I'm asking you is this. Do you have an up-to-date relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Because He desperately wants to have a relationship with you. Does he talk to you? And can you talk to him? I like to say, is it a life-giving relationship? Because if you're not in that place, you can have a relationship with Jesus like that. He is not a set of rules. He is not a denomination. He is the Son of God gave his life to make a way for us to be a part of God's family. And I'd love to pray for you because that's oftentimes a first step. Before you take any others, that's a first step to health and wholeness in your life. And if that's you, nobody's looking around. This is a private moment between you and the Lord. I'm going to ask you if you would just, just shoot your hand up. Say, Scott, pray for me today. Just pray for me today. Yep, thank you. You can put your hand right back down. Just put it up. I'm, I'm, we're going to pray in just a second. But I, I want to make sure, if you want to be a part of this, that we give you the opportunity. Put your hand up and just put it right back down. Amen. Amen. God bless you, ma'am. All right, I want you to come on, look up at me. All of you across the room, I want you to look up at me and I want you to repeat this prayer with me. Eyes wide open. We're going to say it all together out loud. Say, Jesus, today, I believe you gave your life to make a way for me to know God personally to be forgiven and to be a part of the family of God thank you Jesus for saving me I received the gift of your salvation 